Hey everyone, welcome to Healthy Mind, Happy Life Podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Engler. I believe that we can all move through life transitions without losing who we are, but it takes the right support, community, and connection to carry us through. We can heal through sharing experience, strength, and hope. Each week, we will have genuine and real conversations that will inspire you to shift your mindset to live a happier, free life. Hey everyone, this week I'm speaking with, hey everyone, this week I'm speaking with Erica Belanger. Erica is a yoga teacher, somatic coach, and the host of On and Off Your Mat podcast. For the last eight years, Erica has helped sensitive women let go of overwhelm and stress by learning to manage their thoughts feel their feelings, and heal their nervous system through mind-body-spirit practices. She herself is living proof of the power of self-healing as she herself has grown and worked through eating disorders, chronic illnesses, addiction, mental illness, patterns of self-sabotage and self-abandonment, and childhood trauma. She teaches online and in person, week-long retreats, She also hosts and she works on bringing her students and clients on a journey of awareness, compassion, embodiment, and transformation. This conversation was a lot of fun. We definitely talked a lot about the nervous system, but more about that collapse part of the nervous system when you are completely down and out, depressed, like a just kind of a lump in your bed is the best way to to phrase it. Just have nothing left in you. And we, we spend a lot of time talking about that. So I hope you guys get something out of today's episode. And I, once again, am grateful for your continued listening and enjoy the, the interview. All right. Well, hello, Erica. Thank you so much for coming on the episode today. I really appreciate it. And I know it's hard to carve out the time to <laughs> for work and for interviews and, and to do all the things that we do. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So why don't you share a little bit with us about who you are as a person and what is it that you do? Yeah, of course. So obviously, my name is Erica, and I started as a yoga teacher as my like second career already because I was a school teacher first, but I burned out and I was chronically ill and chronically in pain. And I took a year and I stopped to rest and to heal, and I never went back. <laughs> so after a year, when they were like, okay, it's time for you to come back, I was like, oh what else can I do? And I always loved being a teacher. So I looked into my life and I was like, what else am I passionate about? What else could I teach? If I have the skills of teaching, I could switch the subject, right? Like I can move on to something different. And so the thing I was really passionate about in my life at that moment was yoga and yoga had helped me through a lot of things um, with mental illness and eating disorders and like also like it had been like such a good support in my life and I've always wanted to help other people so I was like this is going to be perfect I'm going to become a yoga teacher so this is how I started in this kind of path that I am in now and then over the years within the yoga I realized like I wanted to teach things that I didn't have time to teach between inhale arms up and exhale arms down you know like I wanted to talk more to people about like the nitty gritty things they're experiencing. And like, I didn't have the words yet, but like, I wanted to push a little bit more into like the personal development sphere. Like I was passionate about using the practice to grow and growth has always been like one of my main motivator in life. And I wanted to share that with people. So then I started the podcast and I started coaching as well as a way to like, as you know, on the podcast, I can talk for as long as I want about anything (laughs) I want. And I can also reach out to people that I look up to or people that 
have an expertise that I don't have and I can learn from them while everybody else is learning at the same time. Or I can reach out to people I would never have access to otherwise and like just pick their brain and just create connection with them. So that was like a tool for me that was such an incredible kind of step up in my journey as a teacher. And then I went more into coaching to specialize around stress, nervous system, and people that are really highly sensitive because it all comes together um, to really help them live a happier life. Because when you're highly sensitive, and that was my case, it's not coming out of nowhere. I'm a highly sensitive person. I struggled with stress and all these things. And that's why, you know, it led me to burnout and it led me to coping mechanism like eating disorder, like, you know, depression and anxiety and all these things. Like it's all, it was all rooted in this one place. So once I discovered that for myself and I was like, oh, this is the piece that brings all of my life together. Then I narrowed down my own focus as a coach to work with that. And so this is where we are now. And we were talking a little bit offline before I'm Canadian, but I've been living abroad for about 10 years. So that's also a very big part of my life. Uh, I'm currently in Costa Rica, enjoying the weather, but also the nature. And the nature has always been something that was very nurturing for me and supportive in my own healing journey. So I made a choice to move my life to an area of the world that felt better. And I'm living a couple blocks away from the beach and I'm out every day and it's just a different lifestyle than when I lived in Canada and was teaching in high school right like it's a total I created a totally different life for myself so more or less cliff notes this is where we are today (laughs) yeah I think there's something spiritual about Costa Rica just because I know a few people that have moved Mm -hmm. there you know moved there moved you know, back to the States, but have traveled there. A lot of retreats are hosted there. Mm -hmm. And there is something about the nature there that does make you feel very spiritually connected. And I got to experience that. It was two summers ago. So August of 2021, um, I went on a retreat, which was rescheduled from 2020, but it was a a movement dance retreat. And Mm. it was just so beautiful. Like the rooms that we were in, the spaces we were in, the uh, huts we stayed in and just being in nature hearing nature all the time you know middle of the night and having um, nature in your room probably you probably had yeah some exactly from little bugs and stuff but there is something about it that allows you to connect with self absolutely it's and very I, supportive I was gonna say I I love the name of your podcast on and off the mat and that's I mean you were uh, talking about that before but I don't think we actually said the name of your podcast and it's so beautiful because I do yoga myself and I was kind of resistant to it for so many years because I was like, "Ah, I can't do yoga. My mind doesn't slow down. It's too busy. (laughs) But then I've realized over the years, that's why you do yoga, right? And it's a (laughs) practice. It takes time to, to get there. And the mantras and all the things that we use in yoga have they do translate the practices the things that are said the even the um the movements themselves but they do translate into our life so i could see why you felt so called to have that on the mat but also explore that more off the mat mhm there's so many concepts of yoga that we learn to apply to our everyday life and then it grows into like yoga is so much more than just a physical practice and I didn't want to like I said I wanted to step out to see everything else that yoga has to offer and how it can impact your life and obviously there's always more to learn (laughs) but it's incredible it's been five years with the podcast now we just celebrated five years oh yay that's awesome yeah it's been a journey Mm -hmm. it's not easy staying committed to whether that's a podcast or coaching or your own business you know it's a commitment every single day or every single episode to to show up and to provide that oh yeah yeah If you want to get better at consistency, this is one of the things that you could do. You're patient and willing to work. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So your path has led you to 
focusing and, and really niching down to um, helping people that feel highly sensitive and overwhelmed and, and managing stress. So let's get into that a little bit. Sure. What does it mean to be a sensitive person? Mm, yeah, really simply put, and that might you know not help a ton because it's the same word, but is you're, you're more sensitive in the sense of you receive information and it affects you more than average people, right? Mm -hmm. And that information is like any stimuli. It might be external to your body. It might be internal to your body. So an external stimuli for people that are sensitive, they're going to be affected by noise, by light, by other people's energy, by the texture of their clothes, by all these things that are outside of them. But they're also going to be affected by all the things that are inside of them, physical sensation, and that's going to include pain, which is annoying. It's also going to include like the effects of caffeine and the effects of being hungry or thirsty, like you're going to feel that more than other people, you're going to feel any physical sensation and that includes like your emotions too, right, because emotions are coming into form of physical sensation first. So all of these things, you're going to notice them more than average people, and you're going to react to them more intensely than average people. So whether the stimuli is positive or negative, you're going to react more. You're going to feel it more. You're going to experience it more intensely. So that brings challenges, but it also brings you strength. You know, like it, it, it affects you in a way that you feel more sensitive and a lot of time we're, we're being told like you're too sensitive in a way that means like that's a problem, you know, like stop being so sensitive kind of thing. <laughs> but that sensitivity is also kind of a superpower if you can learn to use it and see how it gives you something like uniquely special. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm glad that you said that because I was going to ask the word sensitive. Do you find that people are intimidated by that word or it feels off-putting to to people I mean or threatening maybe that's a better word does it feel that word feel threatening to people I don't know if it feels threatening so much as it might be received or feel like something is wrong with you like it might be underlined in the word like that in our society, we've understood that being vulnerable or being sensitive, being emotional, those are weak things, you know, and we associate being strong with not being those things when that's not true. <laughs> like, that's not the truth. But this is how culturally, depending on where you're from, oftentimes, sensitivity is talked about. So I think it's more in that perspective that people might not love that word. But I think when you make peace with that part of yourself, when you show a little compassion, a little acceptance for it, and you don't feel like it's restricting you or limiting you, and you stop feeling resentful for that sensitivity, then it doesn't carry that meaning anymore because you focus on the beauty of it and what it brings to your life that's special that other people that are not sensitive don't have access to. Right. Like you said, you, uh, you see it. At more as a superpower instead of a weakness. Mm -hmm. And I, I know from working with people, a lot of times I, and I'm sure you see this too, people fight it, right? People fight yeah. it. Like, I just need to be a stronger person. Uh -huh. I say that like with quotes, I need to be a stronger <laughs> person. I need to cry less. I should do this. I should do that. I should be this because this is what people around me are telling me or what I was told as a kid. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. So how does this relate to our nervous system? I know that you talk a lot about our nervous system, about the nervous system, and I do as well on the, on the podcast. So I am curious, how does being a sensitive, sensitive person relate to that? Mm. Basically, it's at the root of your sensitivity, your reaction to the stimuli, it's your nervous system that's sending those reactions. It's your nervous system that's telling you that, there is something going on that needs your attention. And like, if you are sensitive, you are watching probably more than average out for danger because you are needing of more protection or like you have a perception that you need more protection. And so your nervous system is going to get into this state of 
what it does, surveilling for your safety and doing what it needs to, to keep you safe or in the perception that you are safe. So not only is it reacting more, meaning it's going to activate your fight or flight faster, right? But also if you don't address that fight or flight and you stay into the stress response more chronically, you're going to go more often than average into the overwhelm side of your nervous system, which is like the collapsed side, right? So you can start in like stress, anxiety, worry, but then if you stay there, you get into like hopelessness, helplessness, powerlessness, right? There's kind of a shift of um, flavor in your emotions from being activated and stress to it's not even worth trying anymore. And this is where overwhelm gets to the point where you don't want to try, you don't want to do it, you don't have the energy, the motivation, the interest, but it starts in your stress activation response in your nervous system. I'm glad that you touched on that because I do find a lot of times, even myself, when I'm talking about the nervous system, we're talking about fight flight, but we don't often talk a lot about that collapse part of things. So I'm so glad that you touched Mm -hmm. on that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about overwhelm, you have to go there because overwhelm is that state. It starts with the stress, but it quickly goes like when you truly feel overwhelmed by life, you're unable to take action. And the unable to take action, this is the collapse, the frozen state, right? Imagine that you're playing dead. You're waiting for the threat to go away. You don't you're like, it's not worth fighting the danger. I'm just going to play dead and hope that the predator goes away. I'm going to be in this, like, let's sleep and maybe tomorrow's a better day kind of mood. You're not feeling motivated to face any issue. You're just like, it's too much. I I just can't, I'm not going to deal with it. And you become avoidant. And this is where like, there's all sorts of coping mechanism that comes in that add to your overwhelm, that add to your stress, because in the short term, they're helping you deal, but in the long term, they have negative consequences. And like when my own introduction, like I mentioned struggling with eating disorder, that was a coping mechanism for my own state of stress, right? Um, Like anything I did to come out of like anxiety or depression, whether it was using alcohol or using drugs or using, like we have so many coping mechanism, people pleasing, perfectionism, like all of those things are ways that we're trying to help ourselves. But like, in the end, we make it worst, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's our attempt to try to control what we can, because you can't control the overwhelm and that complete shutdown mode. So well, I can control my food or the way my body looks or how busy I stay or uh, how well I do at this on this project at work, whatever that might manifest into. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Things happen way too fast in your nervous system for you to quote unquote control it. What you can do is respond to what is happening. And this is where you have choice and agency, but it's, it's firing at like microseconds. So like for you to think that you can affect the reaction in your nerves and in your brain and, you can't really, but you still can decide like, okay, I'm feeling this. What is the next action I'm going to take to support myself into meeting myself where, where I am or shifting out of this feeling, emotion, sensation, right? So there's different ways that then you can play with it. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So if if a person knows where they're at, their nervous system's activated, whether that's fight or flight or completely shut down, they know what's happening what do you do with that? How do you Mm. either come out of it or what do you do with that information? Yeah. So definitely the first step is that awareness, right? It's opening the communication with yourself and getting aware and like befriending your system into just communication. Like, oh, I feel X. I am activated. I am stressed. Like you can decide the words you want to put on there that make sense to you. Or I am feeling collapsed and I'm in this other type of nervous system activation. Once you know that, the first step is to meet yourself where you are. 
Meaning we don't want to bully our nervous system into changing because that doesn't work. That can actually make you collapse further or make you further stress and then go into collapse. So instead of like forcing change, because that tells your body two things. One, there's something wrong with you, right? And that energy is not the energy that you're trying to actually go towards. Like we're moving towards an energy in our nervous system where we feel safe, where we feel connected, where we feel love and loved. And if you're coming at it from a state of you're broken, there's something wrong with you. I need to fix you. This is not okay. You're not moving in that direction. You're actually moving deeper into the stress, the anxiety, the depression, the hopelessness, the helplessness, right? Because you're like just pounding that this is not okay. So the first step is to learn a little compassion, a little acceptance and meet your energy where it is. So if you are activated, if you're in your stress response and you feel agitated, you will do something that resembles the energy of agitation. So that might look like shaking, like dancing, like a fairly fast-paced yoga class, something that has the energy of mobilization, of fast movement that might make your heart rate go a little faster. This is what you'll do first. That way you're meeting yourself where you are. You're creating or coming with the same energy. And that creates safety for you because it's like, I see you. I'm here with you. I'm welcoming the sensation of stress. I'm accepting. So it's like, without using your words, you're taking action that teaches your nervous system and your body that it's okay to be here. I'm here with you. And then the energy is naturally going to start to shift because there's just a, there's a cycle. It's, it's going to get like done with, it's going to move through your body instead of the repressing we were talking about in the beginning, the energy of like fixing, there's kind of a like an energy that reacts to that into like attaching, into gripping to what you're experiencing. But if you meet it, it just softens and then the energy can move through you and then you can do something different. Then you can shift into a more relaxed state. Then you can shift into something that allows you to feel more connected, to feel more love, to feel more safe, to feel more grounded in the present moment. But if you start with that, like I'm sure your listeners might have experienced something like trying to sit in meditation, but your brain is like, ah, like yelling at you in a tornado. You're forcing it to stop when it needs to, it needs that energy to move. So before you can sit in meditation and actually quiet down, you need to do something that would allow this energy to be expressed. Mm -hmm. So this is the example of like, if you're starting in an activated stress state, if you're starting in a collapse state, it's going to be different because the energy is different, but you still start with the same thing. You still start with meeting yourself where you are. It's just that that's going to look very different. It might look like a very slow practice, like something that's restorative. It might look like using sandbags, like in a yoga practice or a weighted blanket and like just laying for a little bit and breathing deeply, like starting to meet that energy without being thinking that this is not okay, right? So heaviness is going to help because you feel heavy already, right? So sandbag or um, a weighted blanket or having your partner or your pet kind of lay on you like feel that weight on your body, like the weight that you so don't want to feel, right? That you want to remove to feel that lightness again. First, you have to feel it. So the idea is like feel it to heal it kind of thing, right? You have to meet it first and then it can go away. Which so is such you might a start cliche with saying, heavy. but so true. I, know. I had this visual when you were describing that, <clears throat> describing that like meeting, right? And matching that feeling, um, not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Becky good inside. She does a lot of stuff with parent, uh, mostly parenting, but she talks about like, if your kid is highly emotional and say they're hitting you or throwing things or being destructive, even like walking them up to the room, but not locking them or shutting the door on them, actually sitting in the room with them and saying, you don't have to say it, but you may say it. Like, I'm not scared of your emotion, right? Just like blocking the punches or the things that are being thrown at you, which to any parent probably sounds insane, but you sit there, you're, you're like sitting there with the emotion, you're showing your child, you're not scared of it. And that's kind of my visual of 
like the emotion is the child, right? Like your emotions are going to try to throw all these things at you, make you feel unsafe. And, but if you sit with it, if you're just with it and you're not scared of it, there's something very grounding about that. Yeah. And it loses its steam and it loses power. Like it just, once you accept it, it's like, oh, okay, it's done. Like there's no point of like continuing, like it just gets like tired, tired out in a way, just like your toddler is going to get tired after throwing a fit for five minutes and he's going to be like, I'm done, but he needs to throw the fit for a few minutes before he can move on. Or eventually it's going to be like, okay, my mom is, or dad is not scared of my emotions. Right. I don't need to keep acting like this. And, and I, and if I can, it's okay. It's safe for me to feel this way. And yeah, so I, I had that, that visual of, you know, if we put this almost like a person or this visual of what our emotion is, you know, that can really help too. Um, the other thought I was having a a lot of what I see is people when they go into collapse mode or like life just becomes too much, or there's a lot going on and we go into that collapse mode, people will start. and, And maybe you see this too, like compartmentalizing right? Like it's just too much. I can't deal with this. I'm going to focus here or I'm going to do this. Or numbing completely. What was that? Or numbing completely. Yeah. So I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that numbing energy is part of the collapse state. It's a total, totally normal reaction to the state because the overwhelm creates that need overwhelmed by definition is like you're overcome. It's like too much. Right. So as a protective mechanism, you're going to start to feel less because that's how you're going to survive. So again, it's not something that's wrong and that you're doing wrong. Your system is being super smart and it's trying to keep you safe and it's trying to keep you alive. Now, over time, that becomes an issue. (laughs) But like in the moment, (laughs) it's a super smart mechanism to use long-term that doesn't work very well. Um, And so if we come back to the idea that we're in a collapse, we're in the heavy state, where we're going next after we've met that energy is into activation. So we don't go from collapse to feeling safe. We go from collapse to stress. And this is how the nervous system needs to function. It's like collapses at the bottom. If you imagine like a ladder, And then you go up to stress and then you go up to feeling safe, comfortable, happy, optimal health and all the things. You can't skip up all the way to the top from the collapsed energy. And that's the same for numbing, right? So those two are coming together. Once you've done something to meet your energy of collapse, of heaviness, of coldness, of frozen, the next step is to bringing a little bit of stress in a very safe way, in a way that you're going to start to create a bit of movement. You're going to start to warm things up because they were frozen in ice. And as you do that, it's the same for numbing. You have to slowly work on practicing to reconnect emotionally in a way that feels safe. Again, if you go too far too fast, you're probably going to re-trigger your nervous system into going back into safety. So you have Mm -hmm. to give yourself time to be like, okay, what emotion am I the most comfortable with? What emotion can I create a relationship with and start with titration like baby steps like can I feel just a little bit of sadness right now and then get out of it and then come back can I feel just a little bit more sadness and then come out and this in and out is a pendulum kind of effect where you teach your system that it's okay to feel because you can come out and every time you give yourself permission to go a little further because you know you can come out so it rebuilds your self-trust around having the capacity to hold your emotional being and like those high and intense emotions that you were avoiding by numbing so using baby steps using the pendulum are ways that you can slowly start to get back there and that might just mean like I'm gonna listen to a sad song and I'm gonna cry and we're gonna be done and that's all I'm gonna do today that is not numbing and then the next day it's like I'm gonna listen to you know a sad movie it's a little longer right but I'm gonna cry through the movie like so those are things that are not necessarily like within the yoga realm but they are also tools in the yoga that you can do to come and connect to those emotions but you can start very small and you'll move out of 
that numbing, but you have to just like the rest, you have to give yourself time to truly be with it. And like, wow, I feel nothing. Like I, because you have to realize that if you don't feel sadness and anxiety and stress and fear and worry, you also don't feel love. You also don't feel peace. You also don't feel connection. You also don't feel any of those. Like you can't pick and choose what you feel when you get numb. It all kind of dims down. Yeah. Uh, thanks for touching on that. That was really beautifully said. And and you're right. We can't cherry pick our emotions. <laughs> it doesn't no. work like that. <laughs> I I am wondering. I like the analogy that you used with the with the ice. So someone's in collapse and they move up to stress. Let's talk about that. What does that look like? That transition. Or like the stress state. The itself. actual stress state. Okay. So we've talked about it a bit already, right? Like that activation mobilization state. So once you move out of the numbness and out of the ice and you create a little bit more heat, it becomes like a little bit more motivation based. Like you have interest again. You're like willing to take action again. Like this is the beginning of it, right? You're willing to get out of bed again. Like it's the... Like, okay, I'm going to take a warm shower and I'm going to feel a little bit more alive, like out of that frozen. And then over time, there's more activation that could resemble your stress response. But again, just like when we talked about sensitivity, I think we often associate stress only with the negative aspect of it right but in this case like it's a positive thing like you need to activate your system into quote-unquote stress so you can move along and further up that ladder to the optimal health and rest and heal and digest and all of these things that come with it mm -hmm. so depending if it's coming like from a source of I am choosing to activate my body into movement, into aliveness, into those things. Or if it's coming from just the load of life and me not dealing with that, and it's going to feel a little bit different, but at your nervous system base, it's the same thing that's happening, right? Like your heart rate is going to be a little faster. Your breath's going to be a little faster. Um, your muscle tension is going to be elevated a little bit. So you're moving from the collapse where like, I don't need a muscle to do anything to like, okay, I have some muscle tone, right? I'm ready and able, quote unquote, to fight or to flee the danger. But in this case, you're not trying to fight or flee danger. You're just trying to get re-enliven. So like you're, you can breathe a little faster as a way to like oxygenate your body and feel a little bit more awake. So it's not only like, oh yeah, color bone or like upper chest breath is not good for you. Well, technically, if you're starting in a collapsed state, it's really good for you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's going to help you like become, come back to yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. So all the negative quote unquote effects of stress are actually needed for you if you start collapsed, if you're collapsed, you need mm -hmm. to like reach for that actually. Yeah. And I never really understood that collapsed state until I really felt it. And, mm. and I'll share that in a second. I actually did an episode, um, it was a couple episodes ago on my own experience of EMDR therapy. And that did send me into a collapsed state, but I think I've experienced collapsed states, but I always bypassed them. Right. I would always just, and you were talking about this earlier, just ignore it. Just keep going on in survival mode, just bypass it and go right into those behaviors of staying busy, occupying okay. myself. Yeah. Just finding ways to cope, which isn't always a bad thing. Sometimes we do need to go into those states to just get by. But as I've continued to learn more about myself and my trauma and using, you use yoga, I as well use yoga, but not um, in a way of regulating my nervous system. Like I really, this is a different pathway. And I really enjoy hearing how yoga can be this, this pathway and this um, way of us connecting with our nervous system. I had never done EMDR. I was just like, okay, I'm a therapist, but I don't really know much about it. 
but whoa, could I feel it when I went into it? Like I, I told my therapist, even after the session, I think I'd sit in my car sometimes for like 30 minutes after, because I didn't even feel like I could drive. Like I was Mm -hmm. that exhausted physically. I felt Mm -hmm. like a cement brick. Um, Yeah. But it didn't last forever, right? It lasted maybe a little bit of time or enough for me to get home. And I think you already said this, but practicing, the the biggest thing that I've learned from it is giving myself grace and compassion on those days. When I'm in collapse, not trying to fix it, not doing anything for it, just giving myself grace and compassion. What do you need that day? Do you need to just sit on the couch? Do you just need to move a little slower? Do you need to do whatever? Just checking Mm -hmm. in with myself and saying, okay, what is it that you need today? And not trying to bypass that state. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean by meeting yourself where you are, right? It's getting, it's befriending yourself with love and compassion and being like, what do you need to, like, we need to be in this state. There's a reason why we're here. So like, what do you need? How can I support you in this state today? Mm -hmm. Or for, you know, how many hours or days you might need to. Mm -hmm. So how does yoga help with decreasing that sensitivity to our stress response? In many ways. I mean, as the sense of decreasing, it's like your baseline, right? So if you come back to the idea of like the ladder, your baseline might be in the stress response. Like this is where you spend the most amount of time or your baseline might be like close to the collapse or in the collapse. Like if you're suffering from a deep depression, you're in the collapse all the time. This is where your baseline is. So yoga as a general practice, like if you put all the tools of yoga in together, will help you move your baseline up a rod or two at the time as you like practice with, you know, with time and with showing up for yourself. So it will affect that general baseline into moving towards that state of connection, safety, love, like those vibration piece, right? So like there's the general things that are just including movement, breath, awareness, mindfulness, right? All of those like basic tools of yoga will help you get there. And then if you break it down within the practice, there's so many tools of regulation. It's not called that, but it's what it is. Like if you're using a particular breath pattern, you can bring yourself up and down as you wish, in those states on that ladder, right? If you focus on a longer exhale versus a longer inhale, you're going to move yourself in different directions. If you focus on um, evening out, or if you focus, like there's so many things you can do with your breath that will either send you one way or the other. So that is one very powerful and very easy tool, the breath. Then within the physical movement as well, there's movements and types of practices within yoga that match more the energy of agitation or, you know, the speed of the heat. And there's some that match more the collapsed energy. And so the speed of your movement, the amount of repetition in your movement, the amount of breath per movement, like all of those things are going to affect your state and they're going to help you regulate. So depending on where you start, you can choose a different tools to move we're always aiming to eventually move up the ladder. Like if you, if we come back with that idea, that image. So if you're starting in a collapsed state, you're going to do a particular type of movement. You're going to do particular breath. You can have particular mantras, affirmations, types of meditation to bring you up a little bit more activated. And then from there, it's going to look different. You're going to choose a different pattern of movement, a different rhythm, a different breath. And then that will bring you right. So depending on where you are and where you're trying to go and what energy you need to meet and how you want to shift, all the tools are there within the yoga practice. Um, and so it's all about starting about with the awareness. Like we talked earlier, like befriending yourself, communication, so you can know where you are, but also so you can ask yourself, like, what do I need? Right Before you can give yourself what you need, you need to be in touch enough. If you're numb, you're like, I don't know what I need. I, you can't go there. You can't figure it out mentally. Like it's not because you don't want help and you don't want to move yourself out of that energy. It's literally your cognition decreases when you're in a state of collapse and you are 
unable to connect in a way to know what you want, what you need. And so you're unable to do that for yourself, right? So building the awareness, the mindfulness. And then if you're numb, like just getting into your body, just moving in the way like, hey, I feel my muscles. I feel my bones. <laughs> I feel my breath. Like just that is part of like at the beginning of the ladder, at the collapse state of eventually coming out of it, feeling like if you are feeling numb, the first step to feel your feeling is to feel your body first. You have to be like, oh, okay, I am here. The floor is here. I end here. I start here. This is the weight of my body and gravity. Like those are all things that within the yoga practice we can explore that then allow us to be like, oh, there's a knot in my belly. Oh, there's heaviness on my heart. Hmm. I have so much tension in my jaw. Like those are signs that then lead you to feeling your emotions, right? So it sounds like such a simpler way than trying to think our way through it. Like just get on the mat and touch the ground. Like, oh, wow, I could do that. I don't have, I don't have to have like all these thoughts on how I need to pull myself out of this right now. Okay. I'll touch the mat. Yeah, you can't think yourself out of overwhelm. You can't think yourself out of stress. It's a body nervous system based reaction. You have to go to the body. You have to go to the source of it and play from there. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, it's just such a simple practice in such a simple way that it's not simple when you're in it because sometimes you don't think about it, but it can be, you know, when you are just at a complete loss and you don't know what to do, you know, just put your feet on the ground or touch the ground or just do something like put your hands on your legs, like just feel that physical sensation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's practices that are like very good that I teach that are not necessarily yoga. They're more like in the coaching realm, but like they're called orienting practices. So it's just like, like, this is my hand. This is my arm. This is my like touching your body or tapping your body or squeezing your skin. That's like orienting to your body, but you can also like orienting, orient to the room around you. Like, okay, I'm going to look at all the red things in my room. I'm going to notice like, oh, there's this, there's this, there's this, like I am here. I am now, you know, like ways to bring you back. And this is the same. Like when you practice, no matter what the physical movement looks like, you could be like, I'm going to focus on my body weight on my feet and on my hands, no matter what movement I do, I'm just going to feel how heavy my body is when I touch the floor, you know, like that's it. That that's all you might need for today. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're in your body. You're like, okay, I'm here. I'm on this plane. I'm on this earth. I exist. I'm alive. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know we talked um, obviously mostly about the nervous system, but I saw one of your posts that grabbed my attention and that was the overcoming overwhelm roadmap. And mm-hmm. so to wrap things up, I would love if you could touch on that. And we all have our own personal roadmap and we don't always know what that's going to look like, but I really, I really liked that. So I was wondering if you could just touch on that. Yeah, I would love to. This is kind of the method I use within coaching and I'm just preparing to launch a coaching group on overwhelm. So this is kind of what we're going to do in a nutshell, you know? So for me, the first step with a lot of these things, but with overwhelm in particular is learning to manage your thoughts. Because one thing we need to understand when it comes to nervous system is that your thoughts are then fueling your stress response and your nervous system response. It's not out of nowhere. It comes from your perception. So if you perceive that you're not safe, or if you perceive that there's pressure or challenge or danger, and the thoughts are according to that, like, I'm not okay, any variation of that, this is not okay, your response is going to be a stress response to keep you safe and protected. So the thoughts that lead you to a feeling of overwhelm, we need to look at those. Like, what are they? Where do they come from? What do they look like? Because they are at the base, base, base. They are at, they're what fuels your feelings, your emotion, your nervous system reaction. And that's going to affect the actions you'll be able and willing to take. And that's going to affect your results. So we start with the thoughts. And from there, 
once we understand like, oh, this kind of thoughts bring me in overwhelm, this brings me in overwhelm, this contributes to my overwhelm, then we can look at the emotions themselves. And that's the step number two. We've talked about this already. It's feel, you need to feel your feelings. You need to stop numbing. You need to stop avoiding. You need to stop the coping mechanism that are part of your protective system. You need to feel. And like within that, of course, it's going to start with your body and then it's going to come through your emotions and we're going to build, you have to build safety to trust that you're able to hold that for yourself. Because oftentimes when we have been numbing or when we are sensitive and we are told that we are too sensitive, we tell the story that we are too emotional and we are unable to control that emotional reaction. Like I used to think if I let myself cry, I will never stop. Like it's the end, right? It's not the truth, but we like convince ourselves that it's dangerous to feel. So step number one, we manage our thoughts. Step number two, we feel our feelings. <laughs> and then from there, we learn all the nervous system regulation tools that will help us kind of stay with step one and two. And that will help us respond quicker. Like if I catch my thoughts or I feel my feelings and I'm like, oh, this is a lot, then I have tools to support myself so I don't go back into numbing, so I don't go back into bypassing, So I, right? So you learn all the tools to support your nervous system and to get rid of the chronic stress you've been carrying of the years of putting your head in the sand and pretending you're fine. Mm -hmm. So we go at it from like, let's clear everything you've been holding on and let's learn tools so you can every day respond to your nervous system as you need, as you go, because we can't control life. We can't control other people. Things are going to happen and your system is going to react in the best way it can to keep you protected and safe. So the more you learn that, the more you're able to be like, oh, okay, interesting. This is happening right now. I am feeling this, but you can respond faster. You don't go so far into the spiral. You don't fall so far into the ditch. You have more tools to be like, oh, I see what's happening. I know what I can do. So this is like step number three. And then step number four, we look at all the coping mechanism that came from step one, two, and three together. And because those are kind of long-term strategies that we've implemented. And I named a couple earlier, people-pleasing is a thing that we do to keep, our, <laughs> keep ourselves safe. But like, if you're unable to set boundaries, you're going to be overwhelmed all the time because people are going to ask you to do things that you don't want to do, that you're going to say yes to, that are going to drain your energy, that are going to feel heavy for you. And you're going to stay in that cycle of overwhelm, right? Those coping mechanisms they create, they keep you stuck. So setting boundaries is a thing you need to work on if you suffer from, like if overwhelm is very difficult. Um, people pleasing, that kind of comes together, but I see it as like boundaries, kind of a symptom of people pleasing. If you're perfectionistic, that puts heaviness on your system. Like whether it comes from you or your family or the way you were raised or it doesn't matter where it's from, but that puts expectations that are hard to meet and it puts you in a situation of constant failure, aka danger, right? Like your system reads that as like, oh, we might die. We might get rejected by the tribe. We might not have food. Like failure is danger for your system. So that leads you into more worry, more anxiety, more surveilling for safety. So that's another way that we stay stuck in the cycle of overwhelm. So boundaries, people pleasing, perfectionism. And then there's a few other things, but I would include, let's say one last example. And that would be like authenticity. Like if you're living your life to prove other people that you're not sensitive, to prove other pe to other people that you are quote unquote strong. Like if you are living a your life in a way that's not aligned with what's true in your physical emotional and mental experience you're staying stuck in overwhelm because you're not allowing yourself to tap into those superpower you're not allowing yourself to be and with that then comes like a lightness and a peacefulness that will not exist if you continue to do everything you should do quote unquote whatever you think that is 
instead of what you need and what you want and what brings you joy and what allows you to feel connected and loved and all those yummy other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, I, I believe there's two parts of us, right? There's our, our mind and our heart, right? And I think mm-hmm. of the heart as like the body. And I know so often, like my brain will go into fix it mode, right? There's something mm-hmm. wrong. I need to fix it. And what you're saying is the opposite is let's tap into our heart, into our body. What brings us joy or just like the physical touch, all the things we've talked about today. So less of the mind and more of the body, the mind does play a role. It is helpful at times, but when we are in these states, as you've described today, and our brain wants to problem solve, I mean, that's like the function of the brain, right? Mm-hmm. And, and many mm-hmm. others, but that's like a, one of the functions of it. So it wants to resolve this discomfort that we're feeling, but our heart, our bodies want they need, it needs something different. And, and so if we can tap into that, it over time, that ease, as you've described, starts to happen. Mm-hmm. So if, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to join your group or they want some coaching, how can they find you? Yeah. Uh, Instagram is the social platform where I hang out <laughs> so they can come to Instagram. I have my own personal page, which is Belanger, And then there's a page for the podcast as well, which is on and off your mat podcast. And then they can come to my website, ericabelanger.com. Uh, they'll have all the information there uh, for coaching yoga. If they want to take a yoga class or they want to catch all the podcast episodes, it's all at the same in the same place. And if they just want to say hello, if they have a question about what we've talked about today, uh, DM on Instagram is probably the fastest way to get to me. And I would say just check out her website anyway, because it's beautiful and you've done thank a great you. job on it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today, all your wisdom and knowledge. This was incredibly helpful and I I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I hope it helps your listeners to take a little step forward. Like we planted little seeds of new, new ideas. Seeds are always good, right? We always need to be planting seeds. (laughs) Thanks for having me.